You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Thanks for being here. If you don't feel welcomed this morning, or if you hadn't heard a welcome, we welcome you here today, and thank you for being here. Um, we're on part 23, uh, going through the book of Romans, and my prayer is that you will hear from God in the next few minutes. It won't be just something uh, to go home uh, to say, that was a good sermon, or that was not so good, or that was good worship, or not so good, because I'm telling you, the presence of Almighty God is here this morning, and if you're going to be changed, it's going to be because of Him. Not because of the great cathedral of a building we're meeting in, or our wonderfully blue chairs and brown carpet. That's the that we got brown because that's the color of coffee, by the way. And so, um, but it's because Jesus is here. Hollywood will spend a hundred million dollars to entertain you for a couple hours. We can't compete with that. But we have something to offer that Hollywood can't give, and that's family. And that's hope. And that's the Word of God. And it's freedom in Jesus. And it's being set free from the bondages that that, uh, so easily entrap us. It's it's a future and it's a hope that we have in Him. And uh, only God can provide that. We can provide that. So if God's presence doesn't go before us, we don't want to take a step. Just like Moses, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes Open our hearts for the word you have for us this morning. So this morning we're talking about what's going to be. Paul has gone through quite a few uh, chapters here. We've gone over justification. That's being declared right before God. When we say yes to Jesus, we are instantly saved. Instantly we pass from death to life. We pass from darkness to to light. We're going our direction and we're going toward God. And God declares us to be in right standing with Him and we have peace with God. That's our justification. Now, those who've said yes to Jesus are living in the present and ongoing salvation that we call sanctification. That's the process of becoming more like Jesus, becoming more Christ-like. And it's tough. It's not easy to have some sandpaper ministry rub off some rough spots in our life. Or maybe some of us need a chisel and hammer ministry sometimes to get these big old chunks off to conform us to the image of Christ. This morning we're going to talk specifically about what will be the future salvation that we have in Him in glory, and we're going to speak about that. I hope we get it. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 8, starting in verse 17. And since we're His children, we are His heirs, in fact. Now, if you have earthly parents that don't have much money and you don't consider yourself an heir or an heiress, you have a heavenly father that you are an heir or an heiress. And it's an eternal inheritance that is before you. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. His glory is future tense here. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yeah, you know, that's like Debbie Downer there. That was good. You know, we're heirs. We're children of Jesus. Oh, we got to suffer. Okay. All right. Back to reality here. Yet what we suffer now is nothing 
compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Did you raise your hand and say, I submit myself to the curse of God? Anybody here? Those aches and pains, the thorns and thistles, the sweat of our brow to earn our living, guys. Pain in childbirth, ladies. Did we submit? Did we volunteer for that duty? Paul's giving us a big truth statement here. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. And we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I'm going to say that again. And we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. All right. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Our our past salvation, our justification has happened. If we've said yes to Jesus, we are saved. Our current salvation, being sanctified, being conformed to the image of Christ, is ongoing right now. Our future salvation, our glorification, is going to happen, and that hasn't happened yet, so we have to hope for it. Hope is a big deal. Now, we have faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So love gets big, you know, marquee, all right? But also starring is faith and hope. Hope is one of the big ones. Hope is what we have. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is a future certainty based on a present reality. We're not pie-in-the-sky, heebie-jeebie weirdos. We have a future certainty based on a present reality. Our future certainty is that we will be saved. We will have glorified bodies. We will be with Jesus in heaven based on God's present and ongoing faithfulness. He's always been true to His word. He always will be, so we can count on that. So it's not just pie in the sky. It's cake on the plate, all right? There we go. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He promised us. And we were given this hope when we're saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This next verse is very famous. It's one of the verses we spent time on last summer 
in our missed series, those verses that have been misused or misquoted or misunderstood. This is one of those verses. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The truth in here is that God causes tough times. He didn't cause the tough times, but he causes the good of us during those tough times. All right? So he works in us for the good of us when we suffer, when we're going through uh, tragedy or suffering or sickness or the result of somebody else's sin or whatever it is in this world. This whole world is covered uh, with a curse. But God will use those things to work in us. I remember when my dad uh, uh, cut off three fingers. My brother and I were uh, eight and ten about then. We were playing in the front yard one Saturday morning, and my dad was in the garage. The garage door was up. We heard his new Sears radio alarm saw going, ring, ring, ring. He was building stuff for a closet. And then all of a sudden, a clunk, and ah! And our dad rushes out of the garage backwards, and we're just staring at him. And he goes back in, and he shuts the saw off. And he runs into the house holding it. And then my grandmother in the house goes, oh, oh, oh. Like this, and she runs out with her purse, and she drives him wildly in her 1955 Buick down the street, and we're just, we'd never moved. We were just watching the whole thing <laughs> like this. And my dad also closed the garage door. He had the presence of mind to do that. He lost this finger at the first digit, this one at the second, this one was hanging by a thread. And uh, that was the day my brother and I became men, by the way. Because we went in the garage and found the fingers. (laughs) It was like spanking our gang, like we're going in there. I don't know why you didn't turn the light on or open the door, but it was dark. It's much scarier. It's like in the movies. Turn the lights on. Why do you keep in the dark? Anyway, ah, we found the fingers. so. So by dad, all the way to the hospital, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that tough times come, and they will come, but they can work good in you yes. to those who belong to Christ Jesus. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's our justification And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. We won't fully see that now, but we will see that. So let's unpack this a little bit. Number one, there's a whole lot of groaning going on here. All right? Verse 22, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He's talking about creation is groaning. Now, creation is under a curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, God placed creation under a curse. So when you see the magnificence of a glacier in Alaska or stand up in the Sierra when there's 30-some feet of snow right now or, or see the brilliance of the, of the stars on a summer night or the seashore, the pounding wave, whatever it is, a baby being born. You see God's creation. You stand in awe. But I'm telling you, all of creation 
is under a curse right now, and what God created it to be and what his future creation will be is way surpasses what we see now. It's like you watch those photography commercials, and it's, they, they, like, they're taking a film off of the picture, a great picture, and it becomes even more brilliant. Right now, we're sort of seeing through a mist right now of the wonder of God's creation and the magnificence, even though it still points to him, and we, we're without excuse. And then also, uh, believers groan and suffering. Paul talks about that. We go through this suffering right now. We're under the weight of, of sin. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of the 1800s, said this, that the slime of Adam's transgression covers the entire planet. And he was right, basically. Nothing is free from the stain of mankind's sinfulness. So all of creation is under this groaning, waiting for the future. And, and believers groan too, Paul says here, and the suffering we go through. And then he said the spirit groans. And you might look, wait, wait a minute. What? The spirit's groaning? And so that prompts us to go back and look a little closer. What kind of groaning are we talking about? Well, Paul pictures uh, uh, an earth that's fallen, that's in pain. And we consider the floods and the earthquakes and the drought and the famine. And these aren't what creation was meant to be. Um, but sin and evil rule now. And then he, he pictures human beings, the suffering that we uh, go through. Even as believers, we go through suffering. And he's talking to a first century audience where believers were being fed to the lions or being tied to teams of oxen and having all four of their limbs pulled off their body while their families watched just so they would uh, recount their faith or, or recant their faith uh, uh, of, in Jesus. And, and, and they were starved and they lost businesses. And through the centuries, Christians have suffered for following Jesus. And he talks about this, but he says, listen, it's not just a hopelessness that we have while we're suffering. But it's like, and he compares it to something that we all understand. It's like having a baby. Well, wait a minute. We don't all understand it. We can kind of understand it, all right? Um, yeah, I'm talking to the guys here. Okay, so. Um, Terry had two children. We, we have two children. The first one, Brian weighed 10 pounds, and she was in labor over 40 hours, and that was a lot of groaning. And um, Heather came out a little bit better. It was six or eight hours. And, and, uh, but there was groaning, but it wasn't hopelessness. It was focused on the result of the groaning. So while we suffer, and while creation suffers, and while we go through things, Paul is saying... You can look forward to our future salvation, our future glory in Jesus. We can understand these things uh, are temporal right now, and we can look forward. So it's not the groaning of hopelessness, but the sound of total concentration on a painful but hopeful conclusion. It's not the despairing cry of hopelessness, but the eager longing of the hopeful. Does that make sense? So while we are groaning, 
there's a concentration to it. There's a focus. There's a... All right? There's going to be a good result here. There's going to be something that is magnificent and all the suffering and all the pain is forgotten. All right? That's our hope. But the glory that is going to be revealed before that time, there is a time of groaning. Creation groans and waits for the release and transformation into a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This earth is going to burn. That's why our hope is not in this earth. Our hope is in what Jesus has promised for us. And we as believers groan because we're longing for this release of this ongoing cycle of sin and decay in our lives. And we're looking forward to the release of the redemption in our new bodies. And Jesus was the first one. When he rose from the dead, he had this glorified body that we're all going to have. And it's going to be good. And if you have neck problems like mine, you're going to be able to lift your neck back with that glorified body. Jesus walked through walls with his glorified body. That's amazing. Now, some of you are looking forward to that more than you are Jesus. It should be the other way around. We're looking forward to Jesus, not all these cool things that we can do. Get on a balance beam. Do all kinds of amazing things. All the things that you can think in your head, you're going to be able to do pretty much. Like remember those old days when you used to be able to hit a baseball and throw a football, guys? All right, you're going to be able to do that. I don't know. I'm not giving any theology. I don't know if they have baseball and football in heaven. But they do probably have golf because Paul finished his course. So, And during this process, the Holy Spirit is groaning on our behalf, expressing our, our own unutterable prayer and cry to God. Uh, but until this time that we are released from this world's effects, the sin of this world's effects, we are in this process of groaning. And that means that we are anticipating, we are focused, we are looking forward with antis- eager anticipation uh, to what lies ahead. And so number two, that leads us right into enthusiastically anticipating uh, verse 23. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. So the Holy Spirit is in us. And whenever you have a wonderful moment with God, could, could have been during worship, could be when you're having your devotions, it could be singing in the car on the way to work, it could be the shower where we all sound better in the shower, I'm sure. And, and it could be these wonderful times where we love God and something's really happening uh, with Him. And that's the Holy Spirit in us. And that's just a little picture, a little snippet of what's going to be. All right? So this anticipation here with, we too, Paul says, with eager, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. So remember, the groaning that we're going through is not impatience, but eager anticipation. And we cannot do that in our own strength. We can only do that through, number three, the strength of his spirit. Verse 26, first part of verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How? The question is asked by interceding for us. 
Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts and knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. A little side note there. When we pray, pray according to God's will, not our will. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come, my will be done. That was decided this day we said yes to Jesus when we stepped off the throne of our life, our little, our little kingdom here, and invited Jesus to be king of our life. So our prayer mandate is to pray in harmony with the will of God. Aren't you glad that God told you no a few times when you asked for something? Remember that girl you wanted to marry, guys, when you were in eighth grade? God said no. Aren't you glad? Or he said wait. Maybe some of you married your eighth grade sweetheart. I did. But it was like, wait. Hold your horses, buddy. Pray in accordance with God's will. Um, and then number four, we have a little bit of verb conjugation here. I know you all love that in English, or if you took a foreign language, that was always my conjugating verbs. Were, are, and will. We were saved. That means we were justified. It's over. It's finished. We're going to heaven. We're Christians. We're Christ followers. Jesus called it born again. We are being saved. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is the ongoing process of becoming more like Jesus. This is our sanctification. And we will be saved in glory, in the future. That's our glorification. Or when we're glorified. So we're justified, sanctified, glorified. Those are all doctrines of justification, sanctification, and glorification. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. In Romans uh, chapter 8, we're here at the end, verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's our justification. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So sometimes people look at that verse and say, he chose them. That means he didn't choose others. I just want to touch on that for a moment. God is eternal. We are temporal. We're not eternal. So when God is eternal, he can see everything in the sweeping glance. And just because God knew what we were going to choose in the future, it doesn't, doesn't mean that uh, we have to succumb to some sort of fatalism or things like this. The Life Application Bible Commentary says this, God's foreknowledge does not imply determinism, the idea that all our choices are predetermined. doesn't mean that we don't have a choice. But when God is sovereign, He's the Creator, He's first, He's supreme, and in His sovereignty He chose to give us a will, He's also all-knowing. So he knew the choices we would make. Just because he knew those, it doesn't mean we didn't make the choices. Some people make this fatal error of saying, what's the use? God knows everything. 
There's some world religions that that's a basic tenet of their faith. It's, it's fatalism. That means I can't do anything. It's, it's fate. I can't do anything about it. And uh, it's karma. It's going to come around. There's nothing you can do. It's just written there. You can't do anything about it. No, God gave you a will. And you're responsible for those choices that you make. The biggest choice you make is whether you receive or you reject Jesus. That's the biggest choice you'll ever make. Not your marriage, not your car, not your house. Did you receive or did you reject Jesus? And so we don't have to um, get in that kind of error, that kind of thinking. We can get all convoluted. Like, why, why, should, I, why should I witness to people? If God knows who's going to be saved, what is better what I do? You know, or if I, why should I? That's like kids asking you the question, why should I take out the trash? Because there's going to be more trash tomorrow, and we don't want it to be stinky in here, all right? So take out the trash. So we have choices to make. We don't have to get in this cycle of, did God choose us, and do we have a choice, and these things. That's just actually silliness. Paul told Timothy, don't get involved in those things. Uh, that's foolishness and wasting your time. So finally, a reminder. Jesus is our only hope. Not Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right? Jesus is our only hope. The Life Application Bible Commentary and some of the Preacher's Outline Study Bible Commentary say the new way of God in the Spirit means that we were not only God's children, but we're also joint heirs of Jesus in all of heaven's glory. So the truth is that while we're here on the earth, there will be hardship. There will be suffering and persecution and brokenness and trials. But the Holy Spirit within us, His presence now in us, is to remind us of this future glory when we will be with Him forever. He's given you a little tidbit right now of the future glory that is to be revealed. So, the current problems we bear, the burdens we carry. Some of us might be doing good right now. We can't really relate to that, but we do from time to time. We know what we're talking about. The ongoing suffering we endure, those are nothing compared to the future glory we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing compared to what's going to be revealed in us. We might get focused on it right now, but don't get focused hopelessly. Get focused with purpose. Remember your breathing. There's a promise coming. There's a promise coming. He promised us future. He promised us our hope. So when the devil tries to get the best of you, just laugh in his face. Say, is that all you got, devil? Tis but a flesh wound. <laughs> I watched that this week, The Black Knight on Monty Python. <laughs> it's so funny. There's this, <laughs> there's this knight, and he goes, you cannot pass like this. And the guy goes, King Arthur goes, no, I got to pass. And he goes, all right, we got to fight. Okay, so he cuts off the Black Knight's arm. And he goes, come back here, you coward. And he cuts off his other arm. And then he cuts off his leg and he goes, get back here. Don't run away from me. I still have a fight like this. It doesn't matter if you're be uh, bleeding and bruised and battered and cut up by the devil. You say, there is a purpose. You are defeated and I'm going to see Jesus in glory. 
Tis but a flesh wound. That's a scratch. All right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, Colossians 1.7. This is a, a great verse. Uh, it's very meaningful to a lot of people. A lot of my friends... In the English Standard Version, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the New Living Translation says, This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing His glory. And the hope of glory is the fulfillment of God's promise to restore us and all of creation. This, this isn't a, a wishful thought, but the confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that we are being changed by God and one day we will see Jesus face to face having been conformed to His image. That's the promise. That's our hope. And I'm going to tell you, if Jesus isn't in you, if Christ is not in you, you don't have hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to have said yes to Jesus. That's my heart's cry. There's people here that may not have ever said yes to Jesus. Maybe you followed him a long time ago, but you veered so far off, you couldn't even recognize that commitment anymore. Today is the day to say yes to Jesus. Today is the day. Get back on track. Maybe you only got off track one degree. Well, if you got off track one degree last week, you're not very far away from the center line here. But if you got off track 20 years ago, you're so far away. You've got to make a radical change to get back in line with Jesus today. Don't live the same old, same old anymore. Jesus is going to give you a new body. He's going to give you... Uh, recreate uh, heaven and earth. And we're going to live with him forever. And don't ever once think, oh, that's so boring. I'm going to be playing a harp on a cloud. That's Hollywood. That's not true. That's not what's going to happen. Paul saw it and he said, listen, whatever you can think up, whatever you can imagine, it's better than that. And he was forbidden to tell us what it was. Goes, ah, we want to like this. He goes, no, you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. He said, you can't, you got to wait. You have to anticipate, expectant and waiting for Jesus' return or the day we close our eyes here on this earth and open our eyes in his presence. Amen? Amen. Father, thanks for this word. We love you. We thank you for truth. We know that truth sets us free. We do want to follow you. We thank you for saving us, forgiving our sins and declaring us to be in right standing before you. We thank you for saving us now ongoingly as we are daily conformed to the image of Jesus. And we thank you that we will be saved. We will be with you in glory. God, we love you. Help us this week, God. Help us at work or at school or in the neighborhood or in our homes to walk this out, knowing that you're in control. Yeah, it might be tough for a while, but we are eagerly anticipating the day we see you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.